0: Hey y'all, this is Charlie. We are living, loving, laughing and grace. And guess what? Today, something good is going to happen to you. I want you to say that with me. Say, something good is gonna happen to me. Say, I'm gonna find good, right? Because you are my friend, you're gonna find good, something good gonna happen for you. This is a biblical prophecy, you could say, that I am speaking over you right now. And you know how I can say that? Because of Proverbs 1620. Proverbs 1620 states, he who gives attention to the word, and that is capital W-O-R-D. There, we are talking about the Word of God. He who gives attention to the Word shall find good. Amen. My friend, what are you doing right now? You are tuning in because you want to hear the word of God. you you are giving your attention to the word of God. And wow, I just felt the Lord share that with me right now, my friend, because you know, it's one thing to hear, even as we're going to see in the gospels today, that sometimes people heard the things Jesus said, but they didn't give attention to them. And because they didn't give any attention to them, they didn't experience the good. And to the level that we give attention to, to God's word, we will see the good in our life. Right? It's like, okay, we, we do hear. We give it some attention. We give it a little bit of attention. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of listening, but I'm also like doing all this other stuff at the same time. And, I, and I'm catching bits and pieces. Well, guess what? You're going to find good in your life. But my friends, you know what? How much good in your life do you want? Right? Let's give that much attention to God's word. And not only that, it can speak of like when we hear something, like we're going to hear today how good, God is, you know, that when we hear that God does miracles and we hear about the miracles he's, he's doing in people's lives in the Bible, we hear testimonies of miracles that God's doing in people's lives. Do we say, oh, oh yeah, sure. That's good for them, but it's not going to happen to me. You know, do we say, oh, we listen and then we try to find a natural way to explain it instead of giving God the credit. That's another way that, that we can look at how much attention Are we given to God's word or do we do like, I know you do you hear and you say, amen, Lord, amen. Praise the Lord for that miracle. Cause guess what, my friend, you praise the Lord for the miracles God's doing in the lives of people around you. Cause then you're next, you're coming. It's coming for you, my friend. Those same miracles, that same goodness is coming for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know because you're tuning in, you give attention to God's word. So you're going to find something good today. Good. God's good is on his way to you right now, even now. Amen. But guess what? As if that's not enough, this verse goes on to say, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Okay, this is Proverbs sixteen twenty. He who gives attention to the word shall find good and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Now, first thing I want to share with you, and this will help you out when you read the book of Proverbs, my friends, the book of Proverbs, um, most of it is is similes or it's it's comparisons, right? They're just little blurbs like this, each, you know, each verse to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge, to grow our understanding. The Bible says that. Uh, Proverbs chapter one says that. Does anyone lack wisdom? That's what the book of Proverbs is for. I encourage you to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. There's 31 chapters for 31 days in the month and some months bonus, you get to read two chapters in one day. (laughs) Amen, my friend, it will increase your wisdom and your understanding and your knowledge and that's exactly what it says it will do in the first chapter. So listen, so here's the thing. We did not just change subjects. The first line of this verse is he who gives attention to the word shall find good. The second line, same verse is, and blessed is he and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. My friends, we didn't change subject. The word is the Lord. The Lord is the word. We're talking about the same thing here. Amen. Jesus Christ is the word and he became flesh and he dwelt among us. The Bible told us. So as we see in the gospels, when people came to Jesus and paid attention to him, right? I already spoiled it. What happened? They found good, didn't they? He, The blind came to him and they left with their vision, with their eyesight, fully restored. The deaf came to him and they received their hearing. The mute came to him and they left able to speak. People with leprosy came to him and they left clean and made whole body parts grew back the man with the withered hand his hand grew back the woman with the issue of blood for years just a touch of jesus that she was completely healed three times and i even love this these people are he just can't help himself he's so good and so gracious three times he goes to dead people right can dead people pay attention (laughs) oh man right Apparently so, because he spoke to each of them and they listened and did what he said and they came back to life. Amen. My friends, how much more for you who are still alive? Hallelujah. So we know that every time people came to Jesus and paid attention to him, they found good. And the Bible just told us that. So when you come to the word, we talk about it all the time, see, picture that you are coming to Jesus. And you are coming to Jesus to find good, to find his good. You shall find good. This is a promise, my friends. It's a guarantee from the Lord. Come to Jesus, hear his word, and you shall find good. That's why he told Martha that it was the one thing she needed to do. She was so stressed, that precious lady. She was so busy trying to serve the Lord and all his friends. And she was stressed out and not doing the one thing she needed, which was to just Sit and rest at his feet and pay attention to his words. Amen. Hallelujah, my friend. And listen, it says, blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. This word blessed. I love this. It means happy, fortunate to be envied. My friends, we don't got to envy the world. Don't envy what anyone around you has. They should be envious of you because of your God. Hallelujah, my friends, we are the ones to be envied. We have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as our Lord and Savior. We have God Almighty, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, as our daddy. We are the ones to be envied. Hallelujah. Amen, And it says that you are blessed who trust in the Lord. Again, these two these two uh, phrases here go together. So do you know one way? I bet you didn't even think of it this way before. One way you're demonstrating your trust in the Lord is every time you come to his word. You're you're showing, you're putting your trust into him. Say, you know what, Lord? I don't understand all this, but I believe when I come to your word, something good happens to me. I know when I come to your word, I feel your presence. I feel the warmth of your presence. I, I know that you always have something good for me. I don't know what I need right now, but I know I need to come to your word. Father, I need help. I'm going to come to your word. I'm having a great day. I'm going to come to your word. My friends, that is all trust in the Lord. And the Lord says as we trust him, we are blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. And how do we know that the word is Jesus? Well, it tells us that very thing in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is so... So beautiful. Amen. Each of the gospels is written to portray a different aspect of our Lord. Okay. Matthew portrays Jesus as the King. That's why it opens up with a genealogy and goes all the way back. It actually starts at Abraham and David. Why? Because David is the King. He was the King, right? And Abraham was promised the land. So through Abraham, He's promised the land and through David, we see the kingship, right? What's a king without any, without any land, right? So Matthew opens up right away, showing us the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And that even in the natural, he has the right to the land and he has the right to be king. And we see all throughout Matthew. That's what we see. We see Jesus portrayed as the king. We see him giving, giving, um, um, kingly teachings, right? Teaching us what life would be like once he is reigning as king. In the book of Mark, we have no genealogy. Why? Because Mark portrays Jesus as the servant. And so right away, it starts off with everything that Jesus is doing. And he's so very busy, right? It's like immediately he does this, right away he does this, immediately he does that, immediately he does this, right away he goes and does that. My friend immediately and straight away um, comes up again and again and again because that's the life of a servant. A servant runs and does this, a servant runs and does that, a servant goes and does this, a servant is always serving, serving, serving. And Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And he served us, my friends, all the way to the cross and laid down his very life for us. Hallelujah. So you don't ask a servant for their, for their pedigree. It doesn't matter, right? And when people have slaves, they don't care where they came from. They just care that they, that they work, that they serve. So in Mark, there is no genealogy. Right. in John, where we're going now, I, I, skip, I skipped over Luke uh, because this wasn't my message today. But um, apparently one of you were curious about it. So I guess we're going to talk about it just real quick. Uh, Luke portrays Jesus as the perfect man. As the you in Luke, you always see this refrain, the son of man, the son of man, the son of man. Therefore, in Luke, we see Jesus's genealogy traced all the way back to Adam all the way back to Adam. See how perfect the Bible is, my friends? And you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't get together and decide to do this. They didn't write their gospels all at the same time. They didn't even write them to the same audience. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, just as the Bible says that every word is God-breathed. See, man didn't actually write this Bible. Man simply transcribed this Bible. God wrote this Bible. God breathed every word. And you know, the word that he breathed, every word of this is that same breath that breathed life into Adam, my friends. No wonder when we come to the Word, we come alive. We're healed. We're made whole. We, even our brains start functioning better. Our memories return. Our, our mental faculties return. Because every time we come to the Word, we are imbibing the life of God himself. Hallelujah. Ooh, we shall certainly find good. Amen. So we see in Luke, we see Jesus portrayed as the perfect man. And now John. How is, how is Jesus portrayed in John? Again, now we're back to no genealogy given, but this time, not because he's, it's portraying Jesus as a servant, but because it's portraying Jesus as the word made flesh. It portrays Jesus as God made flesh, God's son coming down from heaven. Amen, my friends. And so there is no, no genealogy. God has no genealogy. He existed before all time. That's even how it opens. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, long before our beginning. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. My friend, there is no dispute about whether or not Jesus is God. Listen, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. He just told us that when God created our earth, when God created our heavens, not the heavens where he lives, but when he created our heavens and our earth, that's what we get in Genesis chapter one. Jesus was there with him. Jesus was there creating with him. He's saying there isn't anything that was created that Jesus was not there helping to create. Hallelujah. And it says, here we go again with life in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Jesus came to bring us life. Say life. Life. Say life three times. Life. 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 Jesus came to bring us life. And it goes on to say, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. I'm in the old King Jimmy. (laughs) Sorry about that. I love the old King James. Um, another way to say that was, was that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Um, my friends, what it's saying is that, I mean, just think of this. If you walk into a dark room and you turn on a flashlight, does the darkness of that room overcome your flashlight and make your flashlight dark? no. The light from your flashlight penetrates the darkness. It's saying the darkness can't even comprehend it. It can't, it has nothing to say to it. It can't stop it. The light overpowers the darkness and Jesus Christ is our light. Hallelujah. It says he is our life and his life is the light of men. He comes in, he comes into our hearts and he becomes our light. My friends, believers have a light about us. You have a light about you. And the more you look to your Jesus, the brighter that light shines and it attracts the world to you. The darkness cannot put out your light. Nothing can put out your light because your light is the eternal light of Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. Amen, my friends. So, yes. This world is getting darker. Jesus told us that it would before he returns, before he catches us up to be with him. Right? First, first Jesus is coming to take us up to him, my friends. And then seven years later, he's he's coming back with us. First, he's coming for us, his believers, God's children. Then he's coming back with us. And that's when he will plant his feet back on this earth again. Yes, so Jesus told us the world is going to get darker. He's not the one behind it. He's just warning us. It's like if you're driving down the interstate and and you see the the you see all the lights from the emergency vehicles from the police cars and um and they have cones out and they they have signs telling you to stop and slow down because there's been an accident the police didn't cause the accident they're warning you that there is an accident and slow down get over so you don't end up in an accident my friends god is not the one bringing the darkness Jesus simply told us about it so it wouldn't take us by surprise, so we wouldn't be shocked by it, so we wouldn't be scared of it. Because the very next thing he told us was to look up, our redemption draws near. Hallelujah. He told us not to fear. In the world, we will have tribulation, but not to fear because he has overcome the world and we are in him. Hallelujah. My friends, the darkness cannot overcome you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Say my savior, my Jesus has overcome the darkness. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo. Amen. So do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. My friends, I fear this. I feel this beautiful verse that the Lord uh, spoke to us in Luke twelve thirty two. He said, do not fear little flock. Do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Did you hear that, my friends? It is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He desires for us to be with him. He desires for us to enjoy his kingdom and all the authority and power and blessings that that comes with, my friends. Do not fear, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes, my my friend, your father, your daddy God knew you needed to hear that. And that is a word for your heart. Put that in your heart. Speak that over yourself. Declare that. Hold on to that. That is the good he has for you today because he knew that you needed to hear it. Isn't he so good? See how personal he is? See how he serves us? He knows that. He knows what you need to hear and when you need to hear it. And he serves up his grace and truth to us on a golden platter. Amen. Just when we need it. Listen, my friends, that's, that's who he is. Again, uh, still on this uh, bunny trail of, of proving to you from the word that Jesus is the word. In John chapter 1, we're going to skip down to verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who? did you hear that? And the word became flesh. So the word who was what? In the beginning, he was with God. He was God. And in the beginning was with God and created all things through him. That word became flesh. Who became flesh, my friends? Jesus Christ did. And it says he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the father. There's no doubt who we're talking about. Listen to this full of grace and truth. My friends, what is the glory of God? What is the glory of the father, his grace and truth? Hallelujah. Let me read that again. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. My friends, grace and truth go together because grace and truth came together in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My friends, sometimes I hear people say, yes, it's good to have grace, but you need to have truth too. My friends, they just separated what God put together. God put grace and truth together. Don't ever separate grace and truth because God put them together. They came in the person of his son. My friends, grace is the truth. And grace is the truth that will set you free. When Jesus told the Pharisees, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Did they know the law? Yes, my friends. They were well versed in the law. They knew it back to front. What they didn't know, what they didn't see standing in front of them was grace. They did not see the grace and truth, the glory of the Father Hallelujah. Amen. My friends. Wow. Jesus is so good. So we see that Jesus, again, we've been talking a lot about God's character, right? In these last few podcasts, uh, just looking at who he really is so that we, my friends, we see that he is the same. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The scripture tells us Jesus came Full of grace and truth. He's always been full of grace and truth. He didn't become full of grace and truth when he stepped into this world. It's who he's always been. Hallelujah. How about that scripture from the Old Testament, from Proverbs that we read? He who gives attention to the word shall find good. Like I said, did those who came to Jesus, who came to Jesus and gave him their attention, did they find good? Yes. Were they blessed? Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Yes, very much so. Hallelujah. And you know, the thing about it is that even the Pharisees who refused to listen to Jesus, they came to him. They still found good. He was standing there before them. He was sharing with them. They just chose not to give attention to him. But we're going to see, my friends, what happens when we do. Hallelujah. So we are going to Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. So Matthew chapter nine, verse nine, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. Okay. Alrighty. We got to stop right there. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew. Who did Jesus see first? What did Jesus see first? Did he see this man called Matthew or did he see what he was doing and where he was doing it? He saw the man called Matthew. My friend, Jesus sees you. He sees you, my friends. You and you as a child of God. Do you know he never sees sin on you anymore? Yes, sometimes there's sin in us. But there is never sin on us because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed it away. Your daddy God in heaven, when he looks at you. He looks at you and he looks at you through his son. When he looks at his son, he sees you because as we recently studied in Ephesians, it says that we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when your daddy God turns and looks to Jesus, he sees you in his son. And when he turns and looks at you, he sees his son in you. Hallelujah, my friends. Hallelujah, amen. So Jesus saw a man called Matthew. Right? Jesus is always so personal, my friends. He didn't just see some guy. He just didn't see somebody over there. He calls his own sheep by name. He saw Matthew. And you know, it's so such a big deal that he saw Matthew. He saw him sitting in the tax collector's booth. My friend, the tax collectors were notorious for being thieves. Okay? So the tax collectors worked for the Roman government that was basically in control of Israel at the time, okay? So they, they were allowing the Pharisees to still govern their own people. The Romans were very smart. This is how they conquered so much of the world, okay? They would put, so King Herod was a puppet king. He was a king the Romans had put in place, but he allowed underneath that he allowed that the Pharisees to still kind of sort of have some power and rule over the day-to-day affairs of their people so long as there were no rebellions um, and the people paid their taxes to the Roman government. So now, my friend, this would be like if you had to pay taxes to the U.S. government and let's say another country that had invaded us, you also had to pay your taxes to them. So now you're being taxed twice. And not only that, because these tax collectors, the Romans were so smart, they always chose uh, people who were native to that land. So the tax collectors were Jewish people collecting Roman taxes from their Jewish neighbors and family members, their relatives. How do you think all their family members and relatives and friends and neighbors that they grew up with felt about that? Right. And so it was, it was. Not, it was a position that was like the lowest of the low of the low. And not only that, to have this position was essentially to denounce their own God. Because we have to remember, my friends, for the, for the Jewish people, God was their government. Okay? Their laws came from God. That's why the synagogue... Ruled the day-to-day affairs and people we see in the Gospels were so afraid of being thrown out of the synagogue That they allowed the Pharisees to mistreat them. That was never God's plan, right? That's what happens when when greedy men take over sometimes Anyways, so in essence to be a tax collector you had to betray God You had to betray your nation You had to betray all your family members and and neighbors your entire community That's what it was to be a tax collector. And I said that they were notorious for being thieves. Well, let's see. They get excommunicated from the synagogue. Once they take this position, they're not allowed in the synagogue anymore, which also essentially cuts them off from the entire community. And then no one's going to have anything to do with them because they're afraid if they do that they're going to get cut off out of the synagogue. So it becomes a very lonely life. Right, you're caught in this, they're caught in this in between. They're working for the Romans, but the Romans despise them, right? Then their own people despise them. So they, it's a very lonely, cold, hard place. And what happened a lot of times was that they would become thieves. So this is what they would do. If the Romans, let's say the Romans said, hey, you got to pay $100 this month, all they cared about is that they got their money. So the tax collectors would go to each person and, hey, you got to pay 120. They'd keep 20 and give the Romans 100. And people couldn't fight with them about it because if if they didn't pay what the tax collectors asked for, all the tax collectors had to do was go tell the Romans, hey, these people didn't pay their taxes, and they would take care of them. So you can see that for Jesus to see Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. My friend, this is essentially saying he saw Matthew sitting in the midst of his sin. He saw that woman sitting in the midst of adultery. He saw that man sitting in the midst of being a thief. Maybe you're listening right now and you are sitting in the midst of a prison or a jail. You're sitting in the midst of of being high. You're sitting in the midst of being drunk. You're sitting in the midst of having just blown your temper again. You're sitting in the midst of your sin, just like this man was. And Jesus did not see that. He looked past that. He saw the man. And this is what he said to him follow me, follow me, follow me. He called him out of his sin. My friends, he didn't point Matthew to it. He didn't say, Hey, go, go quit your job. Go tell the Romans you want nothing to do with this. Go clean your act up. Go get yourself together. Stop those drugs. Stop that alcohol once you get out of prison, once you've made amends. No, my friends, he simply said, follow me because Jesus knows that Jesus is enough. Did you hear me? Jesus knows that Jesus is enough. To overcome every sin, every weakness, every failure in our life. Can we believe it? Just believe like Jesus. Stop beating yourself up. Stop condemning yourself. Stop fighting whatever that problem is. And just look to Jesus. Hallelujah, my friends. Follow me. My friends, this was a grace gift he just gave this man. And this man knew it. He knew he didn't deserve it. He didn't. He knew he didn't earn it. There's not another person in his community that would even talk to him. And now Jesus, the Son of God, looks at him right where he is, my friends, right where he is, and says, follow me me. Come to me. Let me be your savior. Hallelujah. And you know what? We're out of time. <laughs> oh, my friends, we're just, just getting into this. But I want you to see your Jesus and see him looking at you. If you've never received him as your savior, then you are still sitting in the midst of your sin. It doesn't matter how many good things you've done. It doesn't matter how many bad things you've done. Without Jesus, we are all in the midst of our sin. But it is as simple as hearing his words, that he is speaking to you right now, my friend, through me. And he is saying, follow me, come to me. And he will take you out of the midst of your sin by his grace, by his finished work at the cross. And he will make you the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You shall be born again as a child of God. Hallelujah. My friend, if you have have never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and you would like to do that right now, just say this simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus I see right now that you are calling me and I want to answer your voice. I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe that at the cross you took all my sins and all my punishment. You died and were buried with them and three days later you rose again declaring, I am justified. All the sins of my life from my past, my present, and my future have been put away. I am now a child, a beloved child of my Heavenly Father. Heaven is my home, and you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, my friend. Welcome to the family of God. We are celebrating with you. God loves you. We love you. We are so happy that you've made that decision right now. And now now that you are a child of god and now all the rest of you children of god listen to me just like this man think how much more now in this scenario where jesus calls matthew even though he's sitting right in the midst of his sin jesus hasn't been crucified yet how much more for us now that he has we have the fullness of his sacrifice we have been washed in his blood my friends See yourself washed, clean, holy, sanctified, redeemed. Hallelujah. You smile. You come boldly to your Father God, knowing that he looks at you with these same compassionate, graceful eyes, and he calls you by name. My friend, now that we're his children, right, he, he never stops calling us. First, he calls you to save you into eternal life, to save you into an eternal life with him. But then he keeps calling us just like any loving father that wants to keep spending time with his children, right? Even his grown children, he calls them on the phone to check on them, to see how they're doing or uh, FaceTime or send a text, right? Stop by your house. Your heavenly father is sending you a text, right? He's calling you. Because he loves you, my friend. Because you are so dear to him. Because he simply wants to spend time with you. And that's what we've been enjoying today. And i got to wrap this up, okay? My friend, so carry that thought with you. Hear your father. See Jesus calling you just because he loves you, my friend. Throughout your day, take a moment here and there to say, You know what? I love you too. I love you too, Jesus. I love you too, Daddy God. right? Because that's what they're saying to you. Hallelujah, my friend. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and grant you his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. Till next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.